SCP-3241, the SS Sommerfeld. It's said that the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. We've seen this in action within the SCP universe time and time again, as the SCP Foundation or the Global Occult Coalition or any number of other groups and organizations think that they have a sufficient grasp on comprehending the paranormal, and find out they in fact do not. SCP-3241 is sort of a double example of this, taking place in the broken masquerade canon in which the Foundation fails to contain knowledge of anomalies from the world, and being a situation in which the Foundation's own containment protocols fail, creating a new anomaly entirely. SCP-3241 is an irregularly shaped volume of anomalous space centered on the cargo ship, the SS Sommerfeld. This volume is roughly 12 kilometers in diameter, is growing 4 meters per day, and is responsible for exhibiting a number of anomalous properties. These anomalous properties include numerous spatial, temporal, molecular, and biological abnormalities. The ship itself was constructed in 1963, but repurposed in 1995 by a company named DLS, founded by a former employee of Prometheus Labs named Daniel DeVorn. DeVorn will become much more relevant soon, but DLS specialized in the construction of safety devices designed to contain or mitigate anomalous materials. The ship was repurposed on commission for the SCP Foundation to provide a transport for low-risk anomalies and sedated reality benders from one site to another. Three years later, in 1998, the entire ship was lost at sea, along with all of its crew, the anomalies, and all five reality benders that were on board. An investigation a year later determined that there had been a mid-transit containment breach due to the failure of its emergency safety systems which consisted of six Scranton Reality Anchors. We've discussed SRAs before, devices designed to nullify the anomalous traits of anything nearby that affect baseline reality. This includes both reality-bending phenomena, as well as reality-benders themselves, meaning they're often utilized to help contain these types of entities. Generally, we hear about SRAs either doing their jobs as intended, or not working at all for some reason, but usually we don't hear about them randomly failing. Fast forward to 2015, when the SS Sommerfeld was discovered adrift at sea, and a special containment division named SARC was created by the Foundation to assess what exactly happened to the ship, and to recontain it if possible. In 2018, new evidence came to light pertaining to the potential malfeasance of DLS and Daniel DeVorn, and new investigations were made into the whole course of events, reaching back to 1998. As a result, all contracts with DLS have been suspended by the Foundation, and DeVorn is now a wanted man. Now, let's look at what exactly the Foundation learned about what happened to the SS Sommerfeld. In 1998, the ship set out from Jacksonville, Florida, towards Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Partway into their journey, the U.S. Coast Guard received a signal from the ship's emergency beacon indicating that the ship was near the center of the Atlantic Ocean, definitely off course. 
45 minutes later, they received another signal, showing that the ship was apparently now near a mountain range in Russia, meaning either the emergency beacon was broken, or something really, really strange was going on. Less than an hour after that, they received a final signal, but the ship's location could no longer be determined, and any further attempts to communicate with the ship failed. Things definitely went awry for the SS Sommerfeld, but the Foundation's rescue efforts were complicated by several problems. One major reason was due to Hurricane Georges, a Category 4 hurricane that was currently ravaging the Atlantic, making rescue attempts of any kind very difficult. Two was due to the emergency beacon itself, making it impossible to track the ship's route after it departed from Florida. The third was due to DLS themselves, who were handling the transportation. DLS representatives continually assured the Foundation that the ship was not lost, but instead just delayed due to the hurricane. Devorn would later defend DLS's actions, claiming that they've had emergency beacons misfire before, and the coordinates made no sense, so they figured at first that the hurricane was just messing things up. It wasn't until hours later that Devorn would inform the Foundation that the Sommerfeld was definitely missing. Once the Foundation heard, they mounted a search and rescue with the assistance of the GOC, the UN's Disaster Assessment and Coordination, the US Coast Guard, Air Force, Air National Guard, and Navy. A nice reminder that this takes place in the Broken Masquerade Cannon, where the Foundation can flex their muscles a bit and call on all sorts of help. Unfortunately, despite a six-month investigation looking into both the ship's planned route and the emergency beacon coordinates, no trace of the ship was found. In the aftermath, the idea of a containment breach of the reality benders was, of course, brought up, and since they were supposed to be contained by the Scranton reality anchors installed by Daniel Devorn's company, Devorn was brought in for questioning. Devorn, as expected, called the idea absolute nonsense saying that their SRAs have a near-flawless track record, and they're used throughout the Foundation, responsible for saving lives every day. Instead, he blames the Foundation for not allowing any of his company's technicians on board the ship for immediate technical support, and for repeatedly deviating from the protocols written up by his company for utilizing the SRAs. He says that the SRA manual exists for a reason, and if you follow it, they work fine. He finishes by saying that the crisis could have been averted had the Foundation just let one of his technicians go on the ship for the journey. A former Foundation employee who now consulted for DLS corroborated Devorn's claims, saying that she has worked with SRAs for decades, and they've saved her life more times than she can count. DLS's reality anchors have been tested time and time again, and they can account for everything except human error again putting the blame on the Foundation. Alternatively, a Foundation employee with a reputation for skepticism towards SRA went on record saying that SRAs have, in fact, a spotty track record at best. Half the time, they can't even tell if they failed due to reality being rewritten. He says that SRAs are fundamentally faulty because they attempt to logically correct anomalies, when the whole point of anomalies is that they defy logic. All they've really done is create a more powerful reality-bending device that sometimes manages to overpower other reality-benders. 
In his words, the SRAs are a tiger they use to tame other tigers. But a tiger is still a tiger, and they've surrounded themselves with them. God help them if they ever go feral. That was the end of the investigation, and life went on. Things picked up again on August 12, 2015, when contact was lost with an oceanographic survey ship, the IRV Silent Spring. The ship was investigating the reason behind a recent and dramatic change in the behavior of yellowtail fish near a Japanese island. Initial attempts to locate the ship failed, but three days later, a distress signal from the ship was intercepted by a Japanese airport. None of their attempts to communicate with the vessel worked, so they sent out another ship to check it out. They did find the Silent Spring, but immediately backed off after picking up significant levels of radiation coming from the ship. The Foundation was alerted, and a couple of MTFs were sent in. The MTFs first figured it was another instance of a government pretending a situation was anomalous so that the Foundation would clean it up, a situation they referred to as Old Man Jenkins. They expected to just find a dead whale wrapped up in a buoy, but instead they found something halfway between a ship and a dead whale. The CEO of one of the MTFs says that it resembled a giant blob of rotting meat. They didn't bother crawling into it, instead just hooking it up to their ship and hauling it off to a temporary site. Researchers at the site discovered that the vessel once contained a highly complex colony of over 300 unidentified species of microorganisms. At some point prior to the MTF grabbing it, though, this colony suffered some sort of mass extinction. The exterior of the vessel was covered in a dead colony of microscopic arthropods, with calcium nodules extending out at various points. These nodules apparently also extended through the hull as part of some sort of respiratory system that allowed the vessel to breathe. Dissecting the vessel, they found the crew of the Silent Spring inside of it, hooked up to a complex network of tubes. Each of their central nervous systems had been partially removed and fused into a single mass. While retracing the Silent Spring's original route, however, a Foundation submarine came across an irradiated cargo ship that wasn't responding to any hails, the SS Sommerfeld. The drone they sent to investigate the Sommerfeld quickly suffered an unexplained mechanical failure, and it became pretty clear that whatever happened to the Silent Spring was because of the Sommerfeld. This is where Sark was created to assess the danger it presented, and contain it if possible. A veteran Foundation agent, Brian Browning, was put in charge of Sark. Due to the reality-bending field projected out of the Sommerfeld, any drones Sark sent in would immediately fail after entering the field. Browning decided to take several SRAs from DLS, strap them to a Foundation submarine, and send some agents in to grab the Sommerfeld's data recorder. Most of the crew of the submarine wasn't happy with this decision, though, including the executive officer, who refused Browning's orders. She would defend her actions by saying that this wasn't a military operation. There was no immediate threat, so they had every right to stop working due to safety concerns. The real reason, though, is because of a Foundation researcher, Professor Bakshi, who had experience with SRAs and didn't trust them. 
He told Browning that the plan put the submarine crew at risk, but Browning didn't care, so Bakshi told the crew directly. He told them that SRAs are unreliable, and are sort of like putting out a fire with a flamethrower. Sometimes it works, and sometimes you just burn the whole neighborhood down. Browning was of course furious with Bakshi, claiming that he didn't have the stomach for this sort of work. But in the end, Bakshi had convinced the crew not to back down. A compromise was settled to send in an unmanned boat with one SRA attached to it, and a DLS representative was on the scene to provide technical support if necessary. Of course, the boat quickly failed completely and sank, but it did make it significantly farther than any other drone, and so the DLS representative claimed that the SRA worked as planned. A network of SRAs manually adjusted by a licensed SRA operator should work successfully. Browning agreed with the assessment, and ordered the submarine crew again to carry out the plan. Professor Bakshi was the only licensed SRA operator present, and he refused, along with several members of the crew. Instead, Browning ordered three SRAs to be strapped to a patrol boat, and assembled a team to go with him towards the Sommerfeld. Bakshi refused again, and so Browning asked the DLS representative to take his place. Bakshi later recounted the situation, specifically in connection to the representative. He said that the DLS employee was young and smart, studying to be a computer scientist, and just doing this job to pay his tuition. The kid trusted his training and the SRA manual written by DLS completely and continued to answer Browning's questions by recounting straight from the manual. Browning ate it up, asking a bunch of questions he knew the kid could answer to build up his confidence. When Browning asked Bakshi to accompany him, he knew that Bakshi would say no, so that he could turn to the representative and ask him. The representative became very scared, realizing that there was real danger here, and he looked to Bakshi like he was expecting to be saved. Bakshi decided not to stop Browning, even though he could, because he wanted Browning to go to the ship and be punished for his pride. Bakshi laments his failure to save the life of that young employee, all because he was angry at Browning. Browning, the DLS employee, and two agents went on the patrol boat and headed towards the SS Sommerfeld. Out of the four, only one survived a veteran containment specialist named Jackson. On the way towards the Sommerfeld, Jackson began hearing a noise behind him, like something was off with the engines, but the noise kept getting louder and louder. As it sounded too shrill and not mechanical enough to be the engines, he turned around to see the kid screaming, as large chunks of his body had turned to glass, like somebody had installed windows all over his body. Jackson was surprised the kid even could scream in his state, but when he moved, it made a sound like someone grinding their heel down into a sack of light bulbs. The glass throughout the kid's body began splintering and cutting into what flesh he had left, as blood slowly dribbled out. The other agent had turned inside out, but didn't seem to mind, and Browning looked like his bones were evaporating his body collapsing into a heap of loose skin. The engines failed at some point, 
and the patrol boat was hauled back in. Jackson woke up a few weeks later, lucky to survive with only losing three limbs and half of his intestinal tract. Jackson doesn't blame Browning for what happened, or the kid, or Bakshi, but instead blames it all on Daniel Devorn. Jackson says that the SRAs not only did nothing, but instead made everything worse, as none of the drones they sent in turned inside out or evaporated. It wasn't until they tried using DLS's products that everything went wrong. Jackson finishes by saying that Devorn better thank God that the Foundation has changed, as he now will be the subject of an inquiry instead of being put in an orange jumpsuit and tossed into a dark hole with some monsters. A few years after this, as Sark continued to look into a way to potentially contain this incredibly powerful mesh of reality bending, an anonymous source leaked a bunch of internal DLS emails to the Foundation. Notably, this includes an exchange between Devorn and his staff from 1995 that discusses the Sommerfeld. We're given one email written from one of the DLS technicians, Simon, and Devorn. Simon insists to Devorn that evidence over the last 10 years has quite plainly shown that every SRA in use, even ones that have been in service for decades, are suffering failure events more and more regularly. It seems that the more and more SRAs they deploy, the more likely it is for every SRA to fail. DLS is accounting for this by detecting when one unit fails and using two other units to suppress the faulty one before it goes critical. The problem is that they now require more and more SRAs to contain the faulty ones, which is causing more and more to fail overall. A pretty big problem especially since Simon notes that when an SRA goes critical, terms like biblical come to mind. Simon recommended that if they want the Summerfeld to be safe, they should deploy 18 SRAs, or at least 15, with just one unit less putting everyone in harm's way. Since Devorn ultimately ended up installing only 6 SRAs on the SS Summerfeld, the blame is entirely on him. The Foundation is obviously quite upset with Daniel Devorn, and is now rethinking their entire usage of SRAs across the board. Somehow Daniel Devorn managed to escape Foundation custody though, and efforts to locate him are underway. We're left with an email written by 05-5, and sent to Daniel Devorn's email account. 05-5 comments on how the current foundation is not like the old days, making him feel a bit out of place. He remarks on the fact that they have inquiries now, and accountability, and even an ethics committee, a concept he originally laughed at. 05-5 ponders what an old monster like himself is even doing there in the modern foundation, but then along comes someone like Daniel Devorn to remind him. It's revealed that the Foundation has apparently recaptured Devorn, and thrown him into a cell with an orange jumpsuit on. Installed in the cell is a brand new Scranton Reality Anchor, the latest model from DLS. 05-5 finishes by telling Devorn that an old colleague is dying to lend him a hand, alluding to the tale in which Robert Scranton, designer of the SRA, 
becomes SCP-106, the old man. It seems that Devorn is in store for some poetic justice. I know what some of you might be thinking, wondering why we never got to go on board the SS Sommerfeld and see all the crazy reality-bending hijinks that would ensue. You might have been expecting a few exploration logs with some hapless D-class turning into pulp, or a couple MTFs that think they're prepared and find they're anything but. The beauty is, we already have plenty of SCPs like that, including a super weird cargo ship with exploration logs, SCP-455. The appeal of SCP-3241 is that it's not really about the SCP itself, which is largely left unexplained and uncontained. It's more about the actions that led to the creation of the anomaly, corporate greed and self-delusions of control. We rarely have an explanation for the origin of SCPs, and truth be told, we don't really understand what happened with the Sommerfeld either, but it's nice for a change to be able to blame a specific, horrible individual. 